The Arts NW Podcast is a production of the Arts Council of New Westminster and is sponsored by 100 Braid Street Studios. 100 Braid Street is a co-working art studio based in a warehouse and former winery on 100 Braid Street in New Westminster. The studio acts as an incubator for emerging artists to move into the professional realm and for professional artists to grow. It encourages out-of-the-box artistic exploration and supports the public through workshops, events, and meetings. We are not just a working art studio. We are a community of artists who support and collaborate with each other. Check them out at 100BraidStreetStudios.com. I'm Joel McKenzie, and this is Arts NW. You're listening to Arts NW Season 1, What's on Your Walls. In this season, I go with artists into their studios and we chat about what they populate those studios with. Architects and designers notice what many take for granted. They make something important and memorable out of what could be only practical. Four walls and a roof, for instance. Or literally anything else in your home. Everything was designed for a purpose and many of those designs are beautiful and brilliant. At the same time, we can and do ignore them every day. Think about furniture. Everyone needs somewhere to sit from time to time, but to elevate it as a practice, furniture making does what every art does. It makes the necessary, the everyday, extraordinary. Rick Carswell is a multi-talented artist. He studied trombone at the U of Victoria and the U of Toronto, and was the first trombone for the National Youth Orchestra for two years in his youth. Now he practices cello as his instrument. He didn't follow music as a career though. For years, he worked as a manager at a Canadian bank. In the mid 80s, a fateful career change pushed him into becoming a full-time woodworker. With his wife, Allison, the two started a woodworking company that eventually evolved into Kirkley Carswell Arts Furniture, the woodworking completed by Rick and the painting by Allison. Over 20 years later, Rick still makes furniture. We met in his workshop, situated in the backyard of his house in New West, and continued into his and Allison's home, populated by the custom furniture that the couple dedicated years to. Rick's stories of and admiration for the pieces in his home bring them to life. Shapes. Yeah, the massings, the shapes, the visuals. That's that's where my inspiration has been. So you have a passion for music. Yeah. You play cello now and you play yeah. trombone for years. Years, yeah. Is that related to making furniture or is that something that's completely different, like a different outlet? Um, yeah, it's related. If you're going to be a musician, you have to pay attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to design and build furniture, detail really matters. If you put uh, a leg on that's not the right shape or it's something that you should have worked harder to make it a more compliant shape or more beautiful or whatever, that's detail that you have to really pay attention to. What What's beautiful about a piece of furniture is is the massing and is the shape and size of it. So uh, if you overstate something or you, you get that massing wrong, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't appeal to people. So, mm. yeah, you really have to. But that's detail. Detail in, in the smallest way and in the biggest way. So you're clearly a creative person. 
Being in banking, did that drive you nuts or was that okay? I was a square peg in a round hole. Is that right? Seriously, I I absolutely hated it. And that was in a day when you always had to wear suits and that. They've gone away from that now. But Mm -hmm. the only thing I really was moved by there in banking was that that was at a time when you'd go out and actually meet the owners of the companies who were applying for the loans. And Mm -hmm. you'd go and see their staff and you could go and look at what's called housekeeping. How did they keep their their office? or how did they keep their storerooms and all this kind of thing. And you could learn so much about the people and thus value the loan more in that sense to make sure it was going to be a good a good advance of the capital. Yeah, I liked that part of it. But the rest of it was all just um, bureaucratic bullshit, really, in the end. Yeah, money. I mean, and look at all the money the banks are making and when it's off of our money, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So no one. Finally, they. I was with the Continental Bank of Canada, which turned into the Hong Kong uh, Bank, mm. and then they, they let us all go. All so they let me go, and I was so happy because Is I. Is that right? I was so happy. Oh my <laughs> god! Yeah, because I I was feeling like I couldn't leave. I thought that maybe that was where I had to stay, and I was dying, absolutely dying. Yeah. So when I finally established my shop, and that was very quickly after that, and then this shop we're sitting in. If you want to talk inspiration, the very first day I walked in to start my first day of work, I was just overwhelmed by this this feeling of happiness in know. this shop that yeah, we're in this particular shop yeah what, what yeah. was it a, a well because i that? had passed through this banking thing and i passed through all this and here i was now finally going to be only creative and be able to with that background in marketing and in banking i had the tools as well as the tools on the floor to build i knew how to market the company and to to build the business right yeah i did all my own books and stuff like that because i had an accounting background and everything else so yeah it uh it's funny how through your life all these little kind of things click together and form the nucleus of something that uh is is very real i like that idea of of thinking back to the moment of when you first came in here and Mm -hmm. so then is this room like the uh, epitome of of that feeling of like letting go of the corporate world yeah it was certainly then and um well of course my commute from my back door as it is supposed to be a garage but there's never been a car in it and yeah when you find yourself 20 second commute from your back door to your to your place of business you know and uh, when i when i was younger as i am getting on i'm 68 that's my age but in the in the day I, w- I would be working like 15 hours a day making things and and uh, and Allison would come home she was a school teacher for 33 years and oh. she would come home and and work with me in the, on the weekends and get caught up on some of the painting projects and stuff like that so mm. Yeah, so it's been a collaboration with her that has been really, really important in our marriage, in our life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's really important. How does a space like this change over the years? Do you ever hate being in here? Not really. I, what I hate is the clutter. I'm the type of guy that, uh, you know, I get all the wood when I buy my hardwoods and the solid wood. Most of my furniture is solid wood, even though it might be patinated. Mm. What I what really annoys me about my shop is I collect everything, like a little offcut of wood. And I bet you can talk to any furniture maker. They keep it because they might need a little bit of that, right? Got a, 
hoarding hoarding mentality. Yeah. It is a little bit, but I mean, it's so pricey. Like wood is so pricey. Mm-hmm. And if you need one little bit, you don't want to lop it off a longer piece, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I collect a lot of that stuff until it gets to the point where it's falling on the floors and things. And, uh, you know, and we were part of the culture crawl in New Westminster for a number of years. And at that point, I would have to clean the shop. And it was really uplifting. In fact, the weight off your shoulders to get rid of a lot of this stuff. If you hadn't used it for five years, then get rid of it, you know? Oh. So, yeah. So that that's a, something you have to learn, the culture of getting rid of stuff. Yeah. And, and when the place is all clean and then you come back in and it's all sh- all shiny, it's just lovely. One order from my from my website in the 14 years or so that I had it. So finally, I collapsed because you know you have, there's a cost that you have to pay. My business came from us being face to face with a potential client and convincing them that we were the real meal deal. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So yeah. can you tell me about like this? The, uh, the texture or the color of this? Yeah, well, that's what Allison was doing, and she, was, she would use it as a rag-on technique, I believe this one was. Oh, yeah. But I, I'm going to show you another piece uh, that uh, Allison painted, and she was using uh, a brush. I'm, I don't know if we have one. She was using a brush that is actually a rubber brush, yeah. and as you put that here, this here, and as you push down on it, it opens up and oh, little bits of paint come through. So it leaves these fine lines on it, which create this wonderful texture. Oh. Yeah. So Allison discovered that and was using a whole series of different brushes to create that with the different color that she would put on one color over another color. And then oh, you, can, yeah. you can feel it. Right? You know, it's so funny too, because in a, in a mass produced with a mass-produced item, right, you wouldn't think twice about this. It's just something that was screen-printed on. Yeah, probably, yeah. But to, to meet the people who made it, it's it's really neat. And to know that, you know, it was all handmade, every little bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. I want to touch on uh, work with people with you. Is making furniture about people for you absolutely yeah yeah um it's a lot about the women that you're dealing with in the in the family the buyers mm. because they they often motivate um the decisions and for styles and colors and things like that right mm. um but uh, no we've had so many occasions where we would sit down with with people and um, they had a really great sense of design as i say massing and uh, and uh, and what they wanted that it was really enlivening to uh, be able to sit with these people and know that they knew the architectural style and they, they knew uh, knew what to expect from from a bespoke uh, furniture maker such as myself. I always have loved uh, the interlocutory, the talking to people and getting to know the people and that. When I'd go into uh, a client's house, if they would be off getting a coffee because we we're going to sit down or whatever, I would go over and look at their, their library, their books, and you can tell so much about people right away just by looking at their books and finding out what titles are there. Yeah. Yeah. And what can you tell about people from their furniture? 
Oh, well, most of the people, um, I have to say, my furniture had a certain price on it. It would be more than Ikea. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> anything that's <laughs> yeah. decently made. And so often my clients would be uh, fairly well off, you know. Mm. I had one client in uh, in West Vancouver that I, we ended up doing um, the entire main floor of their house. We replaced every piece of furniture they had with some of ours, right? Yeah. And then they ended up selling the house, and that was about 12, 12 or 13 pieces of furniture. They ended up selling the house, and the client who wanted to buy the house loved the house because of the furniture. So the deal was wrapped up with all of the furniture I had made for these people staying in the house. And then <laughs> they neat. moved to a, well, a, a very wealthy neighborhood overlooking the yacht club of oh, yeah. west vancouver <laughs> and started calling me to start populating their house again with oh, more yeah. furniture yeah Jeez. so that's the kind of following that we we developed you know we we would do shows we went down to circle craft and we were exhibitors at circle craft and we learned very quickly um when we first started, we were making little boxes, so we wanted to sell because you needed to make money to pay the cost of, uh, of the booth and everything, right? Yeah. And uh, it was always panic-stricken to, to know that you, ha you had to make like eight or $10,000 to make it worth the effort, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really, seriously. And, uh, and then when we changed into furniture, and then I realized we were released from having to sell. What we were selling was ourselves. And so we made furniture for us in our house with no intent to sell that furniture yeah. and we they people would come and, and see us there and they wouldn't expect to have a furniture maker and they they would say we've been looking for somebody to design and build us a piece of such and such we took their names their their uh, phone numbers or emails and that and then that's how we built our business we after the show uh, we mm -hmm. gave out 500 cards, but after the show, we followed up on every one of those. And more often than not, it would be a hit and we would get another piece of furniture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I also learned about pricing. I was too cheap at first mm -hmm. and people weren't respecting it as much. And so uh, an older furniture maker said to me, double your prices. Double them? Double your prices and tell them you're too busy. <laughs> And so, you know, it sounds really cynical, but it worked. So I was making more money and I would tell them, no, I can't even start on that for six months. Oh, well, we'll wait. Really? Yeah. That's it, interesting. That was a real uh, smack up the side of the head. <laughs> and that's what actually moved us into being able to handle like the costs and make enough money out of this. So as not to walk away with, you know, a $20,000 a year income when you're working 15 hours a day. Right. Well, I, I suppose mm -hmm. it's, it's about not seeming desperate yeah. to people, not seeming like, like or, um, projecting an air of I'm fine and, and this will be quality product, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Professionalism, competencies, yeah. you know, belief, belief. Yeah. That's really, that's really important. So how long has it been since you left the bank? Oh, that was the mid eighties. And then you've been making furniture since then? Yeah, right near the end of the 80s, then we started to, with this uh, importing. And then very quickly, within like uh, a year, we were well, starting to make boxes oh, yeah. as artful boxers, as I said. Mm. And uh, and then we morphed out of that within two years of that. So as I say, our very first show, um, we started in 1992. And uh, our very first um, intense show for furniture was in like, late 93 or early 94 i can't remember mm. 
Well, yeah. Whenever someone talks about that era, I like to say I was born in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. No, it just tells me how old I've gotten, you know, and I, I wasn't looking, but it happened. <laughs> I wasn't looking. No. <laughs> no, that's too funny. What tells me I'm getting older is if I have a sheet of plywood, like on the wall there, you know, there was a time when I would just pick the plywood up and I just put it right through the saw and cut it down to mention it for making cabinets or whatever because I did a lot of cabinets too. I used to be able to pick the, the plywood up and three-quarter plywood is weighs about 82 pounds or something like that yeah. and push it through the saw and do all that. Now I have to carry it across the room under my arm and then prop it up on the saw and oh, then yeah. lift it up, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it sneaks up on you. It does. That's what I mean when you're not looking, right? <laughs> right. I can't really speak to that, I guess. No. Sometimes I feel old and I'm, I just turned 29. Yeah. So I think it's all a frame of mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I was a long distance runner too, you know, so I did like 14 marathons over the years. But now as I've gotten older, it's my hips. Oh. And that's why I stopped doing um, any renovations because I would do all the tiling. I love tiling. There's a Zen to tiling that you can only do one tile at a time mm. and it has to be perfect with the rest of same plane, same elevation, same positioning and all that. And you can only do one. I just love the Zen of tiling, really? but I couldn't be on my hands and knees after a while of like six hours next day. Who shot me in the hips when oh. I got out of bed? You know, is there a Zen to what you make now? Yeah, to a large extent there is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I find the right design for people, there's a moment, you, and I just know it. I just know that that design is going to be just perfect. And moreover, it's one that I want to make because now when I, I'm now back at furniture, I only do enough furniture. I'll only take, more correctly, the furniture on that I it moves me. I want to do that. Or it's something I haven't done or I've done very few of or something like that. So I do yeah. that. And we, Allison and I like to do a lot of traveling, so I only do enough furniture now to pay the costs of our annual trip. Oh. So that, to me, is the definition of at least semi-retirement. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you consider yourself semi-retired? I do, because I, I don't do as many pieces as I, as I used to. I really, really used to push myself to mm. do pieces of furniture and, as I say, do bathrooms and kitchens. Mm. Well, I'd design the whole thing, and I would come, come home after working to do the renovations in their place, and I would have to work till 10 o'clock at night just getting the the cabinets ready to be installed in a week's time you know so i was like doing two jobs effectively so you think like a musician then yeah in what <laughs> way constantly working constantly working yeah yeah no stopping don't stop yeah. people will forget yeah right so I then know. what is you said like some pieces of furniture are you find them inspiring you find mm. it's what you want to do or it's what someone wants i think furniture is something that the average person just ignores in a room it's i imagine why ikea could be so popular yeah. it's just cheap places to sit in your house yeah. but what is it about custom furniture that that inspires you or what what is maybe more specifically a a piece of furniture that inspires you mm-hmm a particular piece? No. I, I think the way I've always looked at it in my business is that um, I don't make run-of-the-mill furniture. I won't design that type of thing. If you want that, then go to Ikea or go mm. to some other place and get a piece of functional furniture that's part, well-made. I'm sure some of it is, you know, even <laughs> Ikea, has, at, at times they've made some really good furniture, in my opinion. Mm. And the designs are always quite nice. I quite like getting the catalog for Ikea, look through it, you know. Right. But... Um, 
I, I've always told my clients, and I believe this myself fully, is that we make feature pieces. And so people, when they want us, they want that piece to stand out. Mm-hmm. And they want it to be something very, very special in a particular place, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, when you get to that kind of level, um, then you, you put, put more into it from a design point of view, too. You find ways to not give it bling. I mean, it's not like you're going to paint it all gold or whatever. <laughs> but to give it that, that, that it fits that space so well. And I think that's why that, that, clients uh, in in West Vancouver had to sell all the furniture with the house because every piece was built just for that location in the house Mm. and it was perfectly suited for it and so the clients or the buyers they wanted it Mm because they knew that they couldn't replace that at all with regular furniture. So you make the kind of furniture that people do look at. Absolutely yeah. This is the, the daybed. That's right, yeah. So the Sultan's divan and uh, it is a daybed. You can actually sleep on it, which I have in the past. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's just barely long enough. But, um, yeah, the um, the whole idea, of course, came came from the when I had gone to Istanbul and then I saw the Sultan's divans there where they would sit and, and you know talk to uh, their emissaries and things. But that was a fantastic trip. One of my favorites of all time was going to Istanbul. And then we needed uh, furniture for Allison to, because she was the painter. And so we've got this this sink at a yard sale for fifteen bucks. Oh. Yeah. And then I designed a piece to work with it. So. Oh neat. And then still the opportunity to do some designs. You know. I can see what you mean by Art Deco. I had a hard time imagining it. Mm-hmm. Would you describe these as being art, art deco? Somewhat, yeah. It's casing, casework, um, but uh, some of the influences, like the size of the knobs and things like that, mm-hmm. tend to that. And then trying to put some color and different materials inserted into it is something art deco. They would use snake skin and they would use uh, other materials that would be uh, more like marquetry into the wood and that. Oh, yeah. So it's it's like like you can you can make objects everyday objects into something more extraordinary yeah. if we put a little effort into it. Uh, yeah, that's what we all should be doing. I think we should be doing that. It's uh, there. There's a uh, a movement in furniture. I think that what I would say is the lowest possible um, highest possible margin for income money, but the lowest possible design sense. Mm. And I think yeah, unfortunately. Furniture has, uh, when I look at all these different guides and stuff, they they speak to maybe some earlier styles. Like they might get some some pieces that are tubular that were out in the 40s, the modern arts, modern movement or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of that from from IKEA and from others. But uh, it doesn't really move the world of furniture forward, mm-hmm. you know. And I think like any good art form, uh, from architecture through to Furniture, which is basically architecture, has a functional quality, but you have to you have to move that design sense forward, you know. And a lot of furniture designers, and I've done a lot of reading on the yeah, every generation seems to find two or three really important people have moved the furniture design forward, and it has affected even architecture. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you you said earlier that uh, something to the effect of you're not reinventing 
the wheel. You might have been talking about your your boxes. Yeah. But it sounds like you do want to have a statement with what you're making. And like you're describing, there is a world of this this art form and, and like a way to move it forward. Yeah. Do you aspire to move it forward? Have you aspired to move it forward your, your, with your career? Yeah, all the way through. Yeah. I wouldn't do, as I say, I wouldn't do something that was... Um, it didn't appeal to me and and if i talked to clients and they they wanted something that oh we saw this in in um using the term ikea or we saw this in some other furniture store mm-hmm. here's a picture of it i took it out of a magazine i won't do it and I, I i just i say no i won't build you that mm-hmm. and the reason is somebody has designed that and i would be poaching from their design mm-hmm. i would like to make something that's special just for you if you're interested and so I've walked away from business based on that when I could probably, if I'd had staff, I could probably have knocked it off pretty quickly and made money, but that's not the purpose behind what I do. And I think I have to keep that honor in me to, to honor what I'm trying to do and to, to make the best quality furn- uh, furniture that, um, I, I can, if, mm-hmm. if, if in the long run I've made schlock, what's the point? We only do this once, right? <laughs> Well, it sounds like you've you found like we were talking about music before. You found an art form that actually pays and and is rewarding in that way. Yeah, it's rewarding. Would you say it's rewarding in every day too? I suppose you would. I'm kind of putting words in your mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what you mean. Actually, you mean the fact that I'm out here each day working and that, yeah, or, or when I was out here every day. Like, is this is this your dream job? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I knew I was made for this. That's what I say when I came in that door of my shop being open for the first day, and I just thought, I'm finally doing what I'm doing. I have to do, you know. Yeah. Not banking. Not banking. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, there is some creativity to that too. Right. Yeah. You know, I think you can find the creativity in everything. Yeah. Especially for someone like yourself who is a creative person, mm-hmm. and I think some people even have to. Like I, I would argue that I have to too. Mm-hmm. I can't just. Yeah. I have to mm-hmm. do something a little bit different or like you said before, change a career every 10 years. I'll, I'll probably be that person. <laughs> You're really bringing the whole house alive just by pointing out something. It's, I, I feel like maybe I just ignore furniture. <laughs> yeah, I, I could be. <laughs> and are, are the couches yours too? Well, we got them. They were Italian. Oh, leather. you just need somewhere to sit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't stand all the time. Rick's home, I saw his lifelong dedication to creation. To walk through his living room is to see different eras of his and Allison's lives in furniture. They both have a knack for seeing the details that make furniture unique and something to be celebrated, whether it's a place for sitting or a piece of art. Arts NW is made on the unceded traditional territory of the Coast Salish peoples of the Kikite Nation. We are honored to live and work here. I make this show and the music. You can see more of what I do at joelmckenzie.ca. Do you want to help us out? Yes, every podcast asks for this, but it is very helpful. If you want to see the show continue, if you want to support us, the easiest way is to give a rating and review on whatever app you're using to listen to this. Do you want to help even more? You can make a donation to the show at artscouncilnewwest.org slash donate. Thanks for listening.
Thank you.